0: Greetings to you this morning in Christ's name. It's good to be here with you again. Um, what a blessing we have of the forgiveness of God. And certainly it goes right along with, with what I'm going to talk about. If we have that forgiveness of God, then uh, being a gift to other people will certainly come a lot easier. We'll to talk about the gift of life. <clears throat> and I feel that gift right here this morning with lots of you, that we're together, you're a gift to us. But I want to take you first to Genesis 1, uh, verses 26 through 28 there. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. When we read the account of Genesis and the creation, we find that I don't know if God actually created everything as he did man. It seems like he spoke a lot of things into existence Uh, such as light and darkness and that kind of thing, and maybe even some of the animals. But when it came to man, he formed him out of the dust of the ground. He actually formed a person, I believe, and that would have been quite interesting to see. And then he uh, gave him, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Uh, and he became a living soul, one, a soul that will live on throughout eternity. And so um, when we think about the image and likeness of God, I believe we're thinking about the intellectual part of God's mind, his soul, our mind, our soul, um, having been formed after that pure nature of God. In that perfection, and when we think of the human mind, it's still endowed with, with um, the most extraordinary um, capacities that surpass animals and birds, fish, the other things. Uh, we're made after our Creator. We're made from the hands of God, and we have that intellectual mind that only us as human have. So when we are uh, made in that image, in that intellectual mind of God, we're made after his spirit, and he put that spirit in the, into us, <clears throat> formed after that perfection of his own nature, And so when we think of us being formed in that and being after that nature of God, then it should produce something in us that flows from God. And certainly when we find that forgiveness of God and we find the place where God wants us to be, he has a plan for each one of us. And when we find that place and that forgiveness of God, we begin to have that fountain flowing through our lives, the fountain of God. It issues from Him. He made us. And where that fountain, God is the fountain that, that, that we receive that flowing from. So, so then the stream that flows through our life and out to other people should resemble the things of God. It should be like him. We were made in his likeness, in his image. And what sprang from God was just. It was holy. It was uh, good, perfect. And so when we think about that, it wasn't anything that was impure. It wasn't anything unjust, ignorant, evil, of low or base mean or vow, nothing like that flows from God. And when we have that spirit within us of God, then we should be flowing those good things, the things of holy, just, wise, living a pure life, a life apart from injustice, apart uh, from evil and the things that only come from Satan himself. <clears throat> Turn with me to Second Peter. Chapter uh, 1. Paul talks about. What our life should be. Uh, consistent after righteousness. And true holiness. And knowledge. Beginning here in verse 2. Of. Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter, I'm sorry, second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. There you have grace and peace being multiplied through the knowledge, having that knowledge, having that experience, having that stream flowing through us. Uh, of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Growth in true knowledge, it says here in my scripture. According to his divine power hath he given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to his glory and virtue, whereby we are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these You might be partakers of that divine nature, of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence to add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. If these things be in you and abound, they shall make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we could go on there, but here we see that grace and peace, that virtue, that divine power, that the things of God are given to us through him by experience that forgiveness in in our lives and being accepted by him and being filled with his spirit to guide us and to lead us in the righteousness uh, that Paul talks about. Uh, being righteous and true holiness and knowledge. Also Colossians 3.8 says, But now ye also put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man. With these deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created us. Ephesians 4.22 says that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which is after which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So we, what I would like for us to see is that life that God gives us, the life that we receive through Jesus, the gift of life, not only of physical life, but also of that spiritual life that we can have. And so then when we think about the marvelous things that God has done for us and provided for us, given us every opportunity that we can have. Um, we consider what God has done for us, how we, he has made us in his image, how he has given us that intellect to know his will and purpose for our life. Uh, it reminded me of Psalms 8, uh, verse 3 through 5 very familiar when I consider the heavens and the work of thy fingers the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained what is man that thou art boundful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and has covered has crowned him with glory and honor you know when we think about our world today, and some of the beliefs that we find, especially in the evolutionists and people like that. uh, The evolutionists would say that we are just a notch above the ape, right? Um, But the Bible here says we are made a little lower than the angels. That's quite a difference. And uh, I'd rather go with the Bible interpretation there myself than being a little a notch above the apes. Mindful of man, the evolutionist' ideas makes us a little of little value. God makes us of much value, uh, really, when we think about God coming and giving his life, that we through him can have life eternal. God loved us more than we can ever know, more than we can ever love somebody else. Um, but I believe the evolutionists would like to take our responsibility away, of being our responsibility to God. But in doing that, we really have little value as to a uh, little value. No value that really sets us apart from the ape, the fish, whatever God has made in creation. And that's not true. The Bible doesn't agree with that at all. The Bible says that you were not an accident. You didn't just happen. Uh, You were here for a purpose. You were planned from the very beginning. Just in my, uh, God's mind, you were beginning. That's one of Raymond's quotes. I think is, as our existence began in the mind of God. I like that. Um, and as we look at the psalmist in places, uh, he's very familiar with us being formed in our mother's womb. Womb. He had a plan for us, a purpose. He didn't just do all these things for. Whatever reason, he had a a true purpose for them. Creation shows that in a lot of different ways. And so we have the gift of life. We have the gift of eternal life if we want it. During the Christmas season, a little three-year-old girl was caught up in the spirit and excitement of Christmas. And she was taking the gifts and she was shaking them and trying to figure out, what might be in, in them, and just trying to figure it out. And she seen uh, a big bow laying on the floor that apparently fell off of one of the boxes. And she had this uh, brilliant idea, and she stuck this bow on herself, and she said, look, Daddy, I'm a, I'm a gift. How true she was. Uh, a gift. God, uh, Wow. When we think of the children, I love children, um, what a gift they are to us. And to think that millions of them are killed, um, it's, it's uh, amazing. I can't fathom. Anyway, um, our children are a gift. Let's look at them as a gift. Certainly her words were more true than she realized. I guess as I think about us being a gift and God giving us that gift, um, it's not about what we can get out of life, but what we can give to life. Um, when we think of what Jesus did and reflect on his life and how he lived his life and, and the normal routine of what he did, he was always giving to people, always doing something for somebody else. It was not about himself. And certainly when he gave us life eternal, it was not about himself. It was about giving to somebody else something that uh, people were in need. And we know that he uh, told his disciples that one time to, to go apart and rest a while. And yet when they got to the other side of the shore, wherever they were going, a multitude of people came to him. And I really believe Jesus was ready for a break, ready for a rest. And yet, when he seen all that multitude of people, he he had compassion on them, and he and he went to help them, preach to them, healed them, and did a a lot of things. Jesus said in Matthew 10:8, "And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand." um heal the sick cleanse the leper raise the dead cast out devils freely you have received freely give and that that is a wonderful thought there how freely we have been given things and Jesus is saying to freely give turn to philippians 2 i want to read verses 1 through 5 there And thinking of Jesus freely given to us. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bows and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, and ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man to his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we could go on there as well, thinking of Jesus, how he gave his life and held nothing back for us, but... He's saying, if we have received, if we have had that consolation in Christ, fulfill you my joy. And don't just look on your own things. Look also on the things of others. And think about others as you go through your uh, life. And there's always opportunities around us. If we keep our eyes open, we can see opportunities. And are we willing to help? Are we willing to look at their situation? Um, I'd like for you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9 and thinking about helping others and looking at the other person, being a gift to them. 2 Samuel chapter 9, and I'm going to read the whole chapter here. It's a beautiful story about David. 2 Samuel chapter 9, of verse 1. And David said, Is there yet any that is left in the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness of Jonathan, for Jonathan's sake? For there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there yet any of the house of Saul that I might show kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan yet hath a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Makar, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. Then King David sent and fed him out of the house of Melchor, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show kindness For Jonathan, thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servants, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertaineth to Saul, and all to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son have food to eat but Mephibosheth thy master's son shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, or Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, and he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both feet. There are several things that I want to point out to you uh, in thinking about this. <clears throat> uh, 2 Samuel 4.4, 4, about Mephibosheth, I found interesting why he was lame on his feet, um, It says in Second Samuel 4, 4, And Jonathan, Saul's son, had his son that was lame on his feet and was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. So that's what happened to Mephibosheth, his nurse or his caretaker, Happened to drop him when he was a young boy, five years old. It says, so that was interesting to me uh, how that came to pass. There's also a scripture that um, I think it's in Samuel, Second uh, Samuel, Chapter One, I believe, um, that I wanted to think about the love that Jonathan had to. Um, David had to Jonathan. I can't see it right off now. I'm not sure which chapter it is. But it says that Jonathan, no, David, had a love for Jonathan that reached beyond the love of women. Now, I think when we think about that a bit, um, women at that time were more a uh, property. I don't think they were taught as much as we are today to love our wives. Uh, They were more of a property. And and Jonathan David became so bonded together as friends and helping each other out. Uh, Well, I don't know if you've you probably have I, I refer to a few friends of mine as bosom friends. They're just uh, I grew up with them. we spent a lot of time together and growing up, and they're just really, really good friends and I'm uh, one is in Wisconsin, so I rarely get to see him. Uh, we talk once in a while. but uh, I think as as we think about David and his love for Jonathan. Was, was great. It was just really good. And I don't know if you have been sitting around sometime and you just, you're sort of thinking about things, maybe reflecting back over your life and you think, you know, my friend Melvin uh, was just a, a good friend. You know, he has done a lot of things. Seems like David might have been doing that, reflecting on people that were in his life. He was at rest right at that time. There was no wars going on, so he had time to be at home and uh, think about things. And suddenly you remember somebody like that, and you think, wow, I need to send them a card. You know, I haven't talked to them for a long time. I, I should write him a letter and I should send him a card. Let him know that I'm still thinking about him. I really appreciate them as a friend. It seems like David may have have um, thought about that as he was resting and pondering over his life and, and, and his friends. And he thought, you know, I wonder if there's anything I can do to, I wonder if there's anybody alive from Jonathan's kinfolks that I could honor because we just had a, a great time together and we loved each other and we uh, we looked out for each other and now Jonathan was gone, Saul was gone. And so he says is there any anybody left in the house of Saul that I could honor him for Jonathan's sake? And so um, they said well yeah, there's this Mephibosheth that is over in in Lodibar. And Lodibar is an interesting place, too, as I was reading some history on that, um, according to the commentaries. Lodibar was a place where the lame people, those that had uh, maybe physical ailments, Lodibar was sort of a town that those resided in. And there were people around them to help them along in life and to help them out. Well, uh, it makes sense that um, Mephibosheth was in Lodibar, and so Ziba told him, yes, there's still somebody over in in uh, some of David, I mean, some of Jonathan's kin. It's a son to Jonathan, but he's lame on his feet. You know, as I thought about that, and I thought, Many times we might think about people, uh, not necessarily close friends maybe, but we think about people, and David could have said, oh, yeah, Mephibosheth, uh, yeah, oh, the lame one, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and that could have been maybe as far as it went. But that wasn't David's reaction to that. And I guess I thought, how do we respond To situations like David's here, where maybe the person needs a little extra help um, or whatever, and we just sort of write them off, and we say, "Yep, well, they're blessed people. (laughs) A little special, aren't they?" Anyway, uh, I hope God blesses them as well. David didn't do that. His love for Jonathan was great, and he said, well, get him over here. And so Mephibosheth came over, and I I find it really interesting of Mephibosheth what he said. Uh, It tells you a little bit what he thought of his own life and where he felt he was at that point. He did reverence to David as king. And he said, Behold thy servant. And David told him, Fear not. He probably could see that he was afraid that David was going to kill him or do something. But he was going to restore everything. And then his reaction to that just blesses me. Um, he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon him, upon such a dead dog as I am? Now he didn't think much of himself. He didn't think he deserved that at all. And yet, David was giving that to him. Um, The king went into action and told Ziba, his servants, to restore everything, take care of it, till the land, and uh, brought him to his palace. And he did restore everything. And he did. his native land, and to take care of him the rest of his life uh, for the sake of Jonathan, um, for the sake of that blessed time they had together as friends. And it was a beautiful, it's just a beautiful story when we think about what David did and had no uh, holding back because of who he was or that he was crippled in his feet or anything about him. Just had an open Tremendous love for that person. And and I guess my my mind just goes to us here. How is our mindset to people that we meet wherever, uh, in our communities here at church, wherever we are, does it make any difference who they are or what what kind of person they are? Do we reach out to them as well uh, and hold nothing back? Being a gift to everybody, Uh, so unselfish like David was himself, reaching out to one that needed his help, probably in a lot of ways more than a lot of people that he helped. And I guess what I really want us to see here today is that God gave us a gift. He gave us a gift of life, and many of us he's given the gift of eternal life, and we can... We can thank God for that, and I would like for us to be that kind of person that shares that love with the next person, and I, I, I just had this vision of, of one person giving a gift to another. We all think about the other person, and we give that gift to the other person. That person gives it to somebody else, and that person gives it to somebody else, And eventually we just have a huge circle of people giving gifts to each other. We're not thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about the other person. And sharing God's gift with those people as well as as, uh, accepting the gift that God has given to us. And I guess when I thought of our journey in life, um, we often at the end of the journey of someone's life um, we say we want to celebrate that person's life and I thought wow that that really is true the gift that they have been to us um, why would we not celebrate that person's life they have been such a gift to us and David here I think really felt that to celebrate the life of a friend. And when we we come to that point where some of our friends leave, we celebrate their life, the life that they've given. When we look at them and know that they have given a lot, um, it's easy to celebrate that gift that they were. And I think it's important not to forget the flowers while they live. Um, I've had a few experiences where neighbors so forth have died from cancer suddenly or not so suddenly over a period of small time Uh, and all of a sudden they're gone and I say wow I wish I would have done whatever visited and I guess that's what I want us to see too that we don't forget to give the flowers while they live so that we don't have to come to that point where we say, I wish I would have done something. I wish I would have taken more time in being a gift to them. So may God bless you as you ponder over those thoughts and David, the story of David here and reaching out to Mephibosheth Uh, What a blessing we can be to other people if we just take the time. Shall we have a song?